Today on Focus on the Family, we'll explore how to find God's peace when you're struggling to find joy in motherhood. But really, I think that we have to take an assessment of what kind of expectations do we have for our children, and also what kind of expectations are we allowing to be placed on us. And this is where that definition, that real definition of God's peace, shalom, comes in, because I think sometimes we allow ourselves to be ruled by expectations. Well, some great thoughts from our guest today, Ashley Willis, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. John, I'm so glad we're continuing the conversation with Ashley. Uh, We covered so many important topics yesterday about motherhood. I love the idea of peace pirates that we talked about. Uh, Ashley explained that these pirates represent things in your life that can easily steal joy from you, specifically in parenting. And one of the biggest peace pirates that I think all parents have struggled with is control. So often we want to manage our kids' behavior. Mm -hmm. Gene and I did this. We were guilty of it too. Every parent has had that moment in the grocery store where their kid just won't stop crying and you feel so embarrassed. What what can I do? I got to get out of this situation. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wanting good behavior, but we really want their hearts to want to be good, right? Yeah, that's the journey, right? We don't want our kids to have surface level character. We want it to go deep. And that's what's going to take him forward into adulthood and Mm -hmm. be successful. Um, Another peace pirate we covered yesterday was expectations. Boy, we're hitting all the big ones. Every parent has expectations for their children, but also for themselves, pretty high standards. And they can so easily become unhealthy expectations. We can't let those expectations rule over us. Uh, We need to have them, but we also need to evaluate what's controlling us. It can so easily steal the joy and peace that God is giving us. Mm -hmm. And our guest today is going to help us rediscover that joy that we often lose sight of. Yeah, we've got Ashley Willis again, and uh, she's going to help us understand how we can find God's peace in parenting. Ashley is an author and mom to four boys. And uh, today we're going to be hearing more about a book she wrote, Peace Pirates, Conquering the Beliefs and Behaviors that Steal Your Treasure in Motherhood. And Jim, here's how you began the conversation with Ashley on Focus on the Family. Let me ask you something, and I've seen this, you know, typically when we have moms and we're interviewing moms, women have such a capacity to put the guilt on themselves. Um, You know, I didn't do enough. Mm -hmm. I'm the shortfall here. It's my fault, whatever. And men, I think our egos block that a bit. We're like, (laughs) ah, it's the other guy's problem, right? It's that person. But women just do have this capacity to say, you know what, I need to own up to it. Talk to that, because to a degree that can be really healthy in the Mm -hmm. Christian walk that seems very laudable, but when it goes to extreme, it becomes unhealthy. So help women understand that balance of taking on that guilt trip. Man, I can relate to this so much, and I do talk a lot about this in the book, because we really need to pay attention to the what we're believing, like our own self-talk. And I know for me personally, I've had a lot of years where I just had negative self-talk. I allowed the enemy to really get a foothold and convince me that I was completely mm-hmm. missing this whole motherhood thing. And, and and maybe even, I mean, in the beginning, I even believed just I didn't have like the proper motherhood instincts. And so therefore, I wasn't going to really be that great of a mom. And I was just kind of sloughing along here, just trying to figure this out, even reading every book I could get my hands on. And um, and I think that I, I would speak to the mom who constantly feels like she's missing it. I would challenge her 
her to really every day think of one thing she got right. And that's not necessarily, you know, to be conceited or anything like that, but just to look for the positive, because we do have to really be careful of really looking at ourselves and saying, am I self-assessing or am I self-condemning? Because there's such a difference there. And it's good to self-assess. It's good to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, where am I doing well and I need to continue? And where are there blind spots? Because we all have them. We're human beings. Where can I improve as a mom? But if you're constantly believing lies and hearing yourself kind of beat yourself up saying, well, you missed that again, or I guess you let them play games too much and that's why they're not on this certain reading level, or you know what? It's because of you that he's not potty training when everybody else is potty training or whatever it is. We do really take that on. And if that's what we're doing, it's constantly just, you know, degrading ourselves. That's not good. We need to start flipping it around and thinking about, you know, where can we improve? But also, what are we doing right? Because I guarantee you, every single one of us has at least one thing we're doing right. Maybe it's bringing laughter to the family. Maybe it's that you're you're great at keeping the house organized. Maybe, you know, I mean, that's something that... Keeping the trains running. Keeping it right. (laughs) I didn't even think our boys noticed this. Yeah. And then they they were staying somewhere else where it wasn't as organized. And they have since been like, Mom, you do so much to keep our house organized. Thank you. And that just meant the world to me. And I thought, well, I guess that isn't a waste of time. I guess that does help our family kind of keep yeah, going. Yeah, it's effort that's recognized. Exactly. So we all we all have those things, but we do need to, to think of those things. And I would even say to spouses listening, especially husbands, commend your wife on what she's doing, right? I, I can't underestimate that. Like, it's just, it means the world when you point out that we're a good mom. Like, it, it yeah. means the world. And in, in the same way, wives should do the same for their husbands. It's so true. That's a good way to go. I want to put a little uh, emphasis on moms and control. Mm-hmm. And, and partly because I saw this firsthand with my wonderful wife, Jean. Mm-hmm. I mean, having two boys, that was one of the things that as they became teenagers, it became a battle. You Ooh. know, they're trying to kind of expand their... Uh, wings, and yes. she's trying to keep them kind of hemmed in a little bit. And we right. would have, you know, discussions about that. And, you know, maybe time we need to back up a little bit. Right. And to her credit, she really did let go in the proper way. Not so totally, good. but it changed everything. It mm-hmm. changed her relationship with our boys. It changed her relationship with me. I mean, it, right. and it, it, most importantly, it brought her more peace, more shalom. Right. And I could see it. Yes. So speak to that mom that is still in that battle. And what Jean would say is, I just wish I would have understood that earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, I echo what she said, because I, we always, you know, my husband and I always tease and say, we are such different parents with our fourth as opposed to our first, right. because we don't let the little things bother us as much. And we do give a little more, you know, yeah. and with the first, I feel like I was so just, you know, trying to keep a tight ship and, and feeling like I'm failing miserably. But I would say to the mom who's, who feels, you know, just like things are, you know, they're with those teenagers specifically, and maybe it's not even a teen. This can happen earlier, especially if they're a strong-willed child. And we right. have several of those right. and they, they really, just, you know, they, they have such a strong mind that really sees things a certain way and leadership qualities, because it's not all bad. I mean, people, you know, it's hard raising strong will kids, but that can serve them well in life. But I think it's really giving them choices when, when you can give them choices yeah. really helps go a long way. I think too, remembering to choose your battles. I mean, my goodness, how many times I've had to learn that the hard way? Like, is this really worth the fight? Because if it does this have to do with life altering things or is this just details? Because if it's just details, it's not going to alter their life. Maybe it's not worth, you know, us all losing sleep over it and having arguments. That's really helped me with teenagers. You know, that's true. I I remember I would say mountain or mohill. Yes. (laughs) I mean, true. Just to help trigger a little different thinking in that regard. Yes. You actually, now I'm sorry to just put all of your, uh, 
mommy failures I've on display, but you wrote it in the book. <laughs> yes. But you talked about this potato chip oh, goodness. incident in your car. Give us that one. That was funny. In this control orientation. Oh, my goodness. Again, I didn't set myself up necessarily. So <laughs> a dear friend of mine, Lana, uh, she was visiting town, and she was. we were wanting to do something fun with the kids. I think Dave was out of town on business. And I was like, well, let's take all four kids. And at the time, I want to say my youngest was probably one year old, you know, I mean, he's just a baby. And my oldest was maybe in early middle school, just to give kind of a frame of reference. We're all hopping in the minivan. I got my snacks together, including chips. Okay. And I'm like, let's go two hours to Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is this really cool state, you know, park where you get to see some really cool things and there's an amusement park. So we're making our way there. I didn't have enough gas. We had to stop. And of course, as we go along and we did not have one of those vans that has movies in it. Okay. So I'm also like, it's going to be just listening to music, right? And um, as we go along, the kids were just getting more and more disgruntled. And we had to have a couple stops there for bathroom and bottles and all this different kind of thing. And it just progressively was getting worse and worse. And I remember at one point, there was this bag of chips. Now, I should have known. I should have just put it in little like Ziploc bags. Individually. Hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> right? And I had this big bag of like Doritos. And they were all kind of shifting the chips around. But I had made this comment that, you know, you only got chips if you were behaving and, and meeting a certain criteria. Chip reward. Chip reward, right? Which, you know, these, yes, tokens usually work. This didn't necessarily work. So there was one point where our third child, who I think was probably three at the time, really wanted these chips, but he hadn't done whatever it was that I said the kids had to do. And so our oldest, uh, Cooper, starts pulling at the chips and he's like, no, Chandler, you can't have them. You weren't, you weren't doing what mom said. And mom said, firstborn. Oh, way to go. Firstborn. Yes. I know. I know. And he's like, that's not what you said, mom. You said, and I'm like, (laughs) you know what? We're just trying to get here. We're just trying to get here. You know, mom, mom did say that he is a lot younger than you. We're going to talk about this when we get home, but give him the chips. And he's like, but no, mom, you said, and we are, <laughs> we are holding to these rules. And you said, and I was like, just give him the chips. And he's like, but mom, you are not holding tight. And the whole time my friend's like looking at me like, and literally by the end, I'm like, give him the chips. Like, and I think I was growling or something like they said it was crazy. But anyway, I had lots of these, I call it the momster. Do you get it? The momster, like a monster, but a mom. That's a what it monster, was. So anyway, a yeah. monster. But um, I end up saying, give him the chips like loudly and very like with some angst on it. And uh, he gives it over to them and he's like, oh my gosh. So we all kind of pause for a moment. And I think we finally got to the park in that moment. And all of a sudden, like we're all looking around and it, and they all said, like, I think one of them goes, that was so funny. Mom said, give him the chips. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader. <laughs> like Darth Vader. And so anyway, we ended up being able, again, to laugh about it. I apologize for losing my temper. But I also had a good lesson about, but you know, Cooper, mm. I'm glad that you wanted to keep the standard. But sometimes, you know, moms and dads have to adjust based on different scenarios and things. So it was a learning thing for all of us. There you go. Teaching the firstborn a little flexibility. Oh, That's goodness, good. yes. Uh, yes. Relate to First John 4.18, where it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This should speak to a mom's heart. It does. And I love this. I talk a lot about fear in the book because I do think a lot of our decisions as mothers or even the feelings of failure or even trying to control or having excessive expectations, it comes back to this deep-seated fear 
that we're missing it, that we're not going to do right by our kids and that they're going to eventually not lead the lives that they could have led because of us. Mm. And and what I found kind of in, in just the research I did for this book and also my own journey as a mother is that we really can't lead and can't parent from a place of fear. And it goes back to this verse, how there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, meaning that when we lead from a place of love, that fear dissipates. And that's really leaning on the Lord because he, you know, when we trust in him, again, it goes back to trusting the Lord, knowing he loves these kids even more than we do. And he sees the bigger picture. He's not just seeing this one day where we feel like we're missing it. He sees it all. And that when we can really, really lean into love and really cast fear aside, because fear is something where it's not always bad necessarily. It can warn us against things. And that's, so that's a good thing. But when we are constantly in that place of fear, we let fear kind of set up, you know, a home in our heart, so to speak, then there's not room for that love. And so then we're not going to be as nice to our kids. We're going to constantly be snapping at them because we're afraid that that we're not teaching them right they're going to embarrass us things are going to go you know wildly wrong down the road yeah and then you know of course that idea that that fear actually is also leading to anxiety oh for sure i mean there's there is an epidemic of anxiety especially among mothers yeah i i myself that's a big part of my testimony and a lot of it you know that i experienced was in the parenting years of just those deep-seated anxieties of, of failing miserably. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from the weight we feel of being a mother, of knowing that this is a gift that we don't want to take it for granted. Um, and that's a good thing. We do need to know, like, God gave us these kids. It's a big role that we're filling. But I think when we allow that to just rule in our hearts where love is supposed to rule, then we're missing it. We're missing the joy that's in it. And, you know, I'm reminded of this by Mary. I love Mary's story in carrying Jesus. I mean, she is carrying the Savior of the world. I mean, you talk about Mm. having anxiety or having fear (laughs) of missing it. Don't mess it up. Yeah. I mean, don't mess it up, Mary, you know, and doing, and then having to do a lot of going through a lot of hardship in, in her journey. And I'm reminded of this because I think about, you know, after she delivered Jesus, you know, having no place to deliver him except around the animals, the first visitors, you know, are shepherds, people she didn't even know. And they're probably stinky. I mean, I'm a person who's very, like, I have a strong sense of smell and I think, about the animal smells and like the shepherds and all the stuff. And here she's trying to give birth and it's really not ideal. And I think about all the the things that she could be anxious about. She could be worrying about the germs. She could be worrying about the future, whatever it is, you know, it not going perfectly because she's carrying Jesus. But it says that, you know, Mary treasured up all these things that she looked at all this. She treasured up all these things in her heart and she pondered them often. Mm. And she actually, in the Bible, she's recorded of doing this twice. The second time she does this is after they lost Jesus for three days and then find him among the scribes. And it says that she looked at her son learning, you know, probably her first glimpse of his ministry, of seeing him become the man, you know, the, the man he's becoming. And it says, she treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them often. So two very stressful moments. And I just, I look at that as a mother and I think we can really really learn a lot from Mary because she must have understood God's peace. She understood that, yes, there's chaos in this life. Yes, there's imperfections in this life. But really, when we surrender it all to God, when we trust that God is really still in control and he has, you know, our our best in his heart, like he wants good things for us and he doesn't waste our pain, that we can have his peace, that we know we're in good hands and we can treasure it up. I love that term, treasure it up, because that's what we need to do. You know, even in our failures, when we can laugh about it and we can look back and be like, man, that was, that was a 
really tense moment and treasure <laughs> it up or the little the little glimpses of our kids becoming the person you know that God has created them to be just treasuring up those moments is so important Ashley one of the things it must be the journey the voyage of the peace pirates changes a little bit with age so when you were the preschool mom that had to be a little different from the teen mom. So describe that as a mom of preschoolers, what are some of those peace pirates? What do they look like? Oh my goodness, it is so different because you're facing different trials and issues. And you know, as a, as a, a mom of toddlers, I think that a lot of the peace pirates come down to just being exhausted. I right. mean, you're just exhausted. And this is where I do see mom, mommy martyrdom come in a lot because it just requires, they require so much of our time. Right. And it just it just takes all of that time. It does. And then you just kind of wither into bed. You do, yes. <laughs> I just need some sleep. And you're like, I don't even know what day it is. And yeah. you're walking around and you have something nasty on your shoulder from feeding and you didn't even know it. You know, you're just kind of like, I'm just in the trenches. Especially bad when you're at the grocery store and that happens. What yes. is that? <laughs> I've had that happen. Jean had that happen. <laughs> oh my goodness, too many times. And you have no idea. And you're like, did someone not see this? Could they just kindly tell me? And you know, in the teenage years, it looks a little different. I think for me personally, I really struggled with excessive expectations, like just yeah. not, you know, especially that first teen, not knowing what is this supposed to look like? You know, yeah. I, and every, every child is so different, but just really trying to get down to what are those, what are healthy expectations, both for my child and for myself. You urge moms to follow the advice in Philippians 4, 8. And again, what's good about this discussion, I think, is applying it, applying yes. the scripture to a to a mom's role. Yes. So how does uh, how does four eight do that? Yes, I love that verse because it talks about what we should focus on. You know, we talked earlier about what we allow to kind of set up shop in our minds, so to speak, the lies we're believing, the truths we're believing. And so in Philippians 4, 8, just to remind all those listeners, it says to focus on what's true, noble, right, pure and lovely. And, you know, I, I equate this in the book to this being gold. It's gold that is from God that can fill our heart and mind and also pass it on to others. And I think the more that we allow, you know, allow God to remind us of these things and, and fill our mind with these things that are worthy of praise, with, with the good moments of motherhood, then we are more likely to really have that outpouring into our kids and into our spouse because we're not just full of fear and we're not just full of condemnation, you know, that we bring on ourselves. And so we do need to look for those golden nuggets, you know, and I, that's kind of what I call it. And I know, again, it's another pirate reference, right. but there is so much gold. And I think, you know, for me, if there's something I've learned along the way is that I just, I need to remind myself constantly to look for it. And, you know, with teenagers, especially, there's been a lot of times where it is, it can be really tense because you're like, man, you know, in a year you're going to be in college or you're going to be in your own job. And I want to make sure you understand this thing. But I think that when you can focus on, well, what is something they've been doing really right? Like, where do I see the gold with this kid? When you call it out, it's so good for your mom heart and for your dad heart, but it's also really good for the kid because oh, yeah. I don't know who said this, but I've held, held on to this for many years, but praised behavior is repeated behavior. Huh. And, and that's, I mean, that goes for adults too, but with children, especially when we can point out those golden moments and say, man, like with Connor, I shared the story earlier about him praising his friend and being excited for his friend getting an award, even though he himself really didn't get a true award, or at least that he was expecting. I, I commended him. I said, you know what, Connor, this is a golden moment because you were such a nice friend and you had joy enjoying the accolades of others. Yeah. And, and I just feel like that's such, that just shows your character. And that's a wonderful godly trait. Yeah. And uh, and he's held on to that, and he continues to do that. And so as parents, we do have to look for it. I mean, sometimes we're really wading through a lot, like 
literally oh, yeah. wading through a lot of to find that gold nugget. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. I get it. Yes. I get it. You know, right at the end, I want to have you express this story that really caught my heart. Um, it's a heartbreaking story about a, a good friend of yours who lost her young daughter. Yes. After a two-year battle with cancer, what? You know, it sounds even awkward to say it this way, but what did that awful situation teach you? Man, um, I'll share briefly of the story. So she, my friend Katie Ann, her young daughter was diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm. They did everything that every parent would do, you know, getting the best medical help and many surgeries. And uh, by the time she was four years old, the doctors came to her and they said, I am so sorry, but we've done everything we can do and this tumor keeps on growing. And they said, we can either try some other treatments that may actually debilitate her further, or you can go home and just love your daughter and and just enjoy the years. It's it's a horrible Uh, choice for a parent to have to make. But Katie Ann and her husband, Billy, in that moment, they looked at each other, they prayed, they're very strong Christian people, and they said, we feel like we need to go home. You know, we've spent all this time at the hospital and at the Ronald McDonald house. And, um, you know, where they house people who oh, are, yeah. you know, their children are going through treatments. Talk about chaos. And it is. I mean, complete and total chaos, feeling completely out of control and just your heart breaking every day. So they went home. And in that time of going home, Katie Ann and her husband felt this burden to prepare their daughter for heaven. And uh, and was just it, it's hard for me not to get choked up sharing this. And so Katie Ann would often talk about heaven and, and her, her daughter, Bennett is her name would ask her questions and she'd say, well, mom, do you think there'll be dogs in heaven? You know, and what are the angels like? And, you know, she'd ask all these questions and Katie Ann would just graciously talk to her about it to right. not, she didn't want her to fear right. passing away. Yeah. And there was one day where Bennett was talking to her mom and she said, mom, do you think when I go to heaven that I can send you flowers from uh-huh. heaven? And, and Katie Ann kind of paused for a moment, I'm sure holding back tears. And she said, Absolutely. I bet there's going to be so many flowers in heaven, flowers you've never even seen. And I would love for you to send me some. And, uh, and she kind of filed that back to memory, really hard, sweet, yeah. hard and sweet moment all at the same time. Well, tragically, um, about two months after they took Ben at home, she did pass away peacefully. And Katie Ann did say, she says peacefully, she talked about this on her Caring Bridge account, and she so beautifully wrote that it didn't make sense. It's that peace that goes beyond our understanding that right. the Word talks about. And she said, you know, they're never going to be the same. You, you can never fill that void of losing a child. And she said, but it, it was just this unexplainable peace of knowing that she's not in pain anymore. There's no surgeries. There's no wires hooked to her anymore. Yeah. She's with Jesus. One day we'll see her again. Well, about two months later, Katie Ann and her husband decided that they probably should move from the home where she passed away. It was just too heavy. Yeah, right. And so they were rolling up a rug and uh, just preparing to move. And as they rolled up this rug in the very middle, like of where the middle of the rug would be on the back of it, there was something stuck there. And they go to pick it up and it, it turned out it was a puzzle piece. And Katie Ann said that was very weird because they hate puzzles. Like nobody in their family likes puzzles. And she's like, how could this end up in the middle of this rug when we don't even like puzzles? Huh. And her husband was like, yeah, that's weird. And she turned it over. And she said when she turned over that puzzle piece, literally she almost fell down and she just got cold chills all over her body because on that puzzle piece was one single flower. Uh And she said for her, it was what she referred to as like a God wink of just him saying, I see you. Here's your flower from heaven. And, um, you know, you can take that a lot of different ways. But for Katie and she holds on to that puzzle piece because she said how fitting that that flower was on a puzzle piece because when you're in the midst of something like watching your child battle cancer and pass away, 
it's a bunch of puzzle pieces that don't fit. It doesn't make sense. It's not something we can ever understand this side of heaven. But we do know that, that when, when we trust God with the pieces of our life, the pieces that don't make sense, that is actually where we find his peace. Yeah. And so I, I was just so challenged by my friend choosing to look for peace, you know, to look for God's peace, to, to look for little God winks in her life that could say, you know, that from God, just kind of reminding her, hey, you can still have my peace even after this tragic loss. It, it just showed me, man, if she can find peace, I can find peace. Well, and it's so powerful. It's what Jesus was saying. Guess what, everybody? It's not about this life. Exactly. It's about what's going to come. It is. And uh, I think we struggle being human, yes, we understanding do. that. But, uh, you know, that's what the Lord is here to unfold for us. What an encouraging conversation today with Ashley Willis on Focus on the Family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Ashley Willis has really encouraged us to hold tight to the peace of God through every moment of parenting. A quick recap on those peace pirates that can steal joy. They are mommy martyrdom, clenching control, excessive expectations, and comparison chaos. I hope you feel encouraged and equipped to more effectively combat those pirates. Our recommended resource today is a book called Surprised by Motherhood, Everything I Never Expected About Being a Mom. It is the last day of February, so I'd like to appeal to you one last time to partner with us in February in our annual match campaign. Every gift received within the month of February will be matched by generous friends of the ministry. As a public benefit organization with Section 18A status, there is already a tax benefit in supporting us. And in this case, you can also enjoy the knowledge that your gift is being doubled. We are also in the midst of our tour of parenting events with Rob Parsons and Catherine Hill. They've been speaking about setting boundaries, navigating the digital world, preparing kids for the world outside, and much more at a focus parenting event titled What Every Parent Has to Know, Bringing Up Kids in a Changing World. We're in Durban tonight at Currow Hillcrest and on Wednesday at Freedom House Belito. And we end the tour in Pretoria at Choose Life Church and Levende Woord on the 2nd and 3rd of March. Tickets are only 50 rand and all the details are at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to join us next time when we will once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.